Hi, and welcome back to the Beyond the Peloton podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Martin. We are doing a midweek episode to talk to Marco Panati, the Italian, six-time Italian national time trial champion, two-time Giro d'Italia time trial winner, uh, time trial coach at Team Bike Exchange, which is home of Simon Yates, who had who won the stage today at stage 19 and could potentially win the overall. So I'm going to do some quick notes up top, up top, and then we'll get right into that interview. But first, if you want to support the podcast, you can sign up for the newsletter at beyondthepeloton.substack.com. There's a free version that comes out once a week and a paid version that's daily during Grand Tours, uh, three times a week, other weeks. There's also discounts to brands like Cure of Switzerland and Stages Cycling. So check that out at beyondthepeloton.substack.com. All right, so quick Stage 19 notes before we get into the chat with Marco. Uh, Simon Yates wins on a steep summit finish on a maiden climb. This climb has never been used before in a Giordania stage. Uh, but it was steep though. It was like 10k long at 10% average. That is, if you don't know percents, that's that's steep. Just know that's hard. Yates finishes 11 seconds in front of Joao Almeida, 28 seconds in front of Egan Bernal, but with time bonuses that uh, that means he gains 15 seconds on Joao and 34 seconds on Bernal. Not really that consequential since Bernal is still two minutes and 49 seconds in front of Simon Yates and two minutes and 29 seconds in front of Damiano Caruso, who was dropped at. Uh, certain points in the final climb today, but really only finishes four seconds back on Bernal. So that guy is proving to be, while he's an unknown rider, kind of a career journeyman, I talked to Marco about him a little bit. I think Marco coaches him or uh, used to coach him. He's really a classy rider, really, really good rider. I mean, to only lose four seconds on a day like today that was like really all out final climb uh, is really impressive and shows me he probably won't fall apart before Milano and will finish on the podium at this Giro, which is super impressive. Just quick notes. I, I send out, if, if you don't know, I, you can subscribe to the paid newsletter and you get stage notes with videos, with little video clips every stage. Uh, but just to sum it up, Yates needed a ton of time. Joao Almeida has never won a bike race before, despite being a very good rider in finishing fourth overall at the Giro last year. So his Dakota Quickstep team and Simon Yates' bike exchange team were really aggressive all day. It was like the first day of this year where you just felt like the break didn't even have a chance. Kind of felt like a Tour de France stage almost. Uh, their gap never really got over three and a half minutes. By the base of the funnel climb, it was down to 16 to 18 seconds. And then Yates went early. Um, James Knox was leading. James Knox was the last rider for Almeida on Dakota Quickstep, and he was going hard, like 440 watts with... 7k to go so we know right there he's not going to last that long as soon as he pulls off with 6.8k to go almeida attacks which makes sense because almeida a needs a lot of time he's like nine minutes back in the gc so if he wants to finish on that podium he really has to put a lot of time into riders like hugh carthy alexander vlazov and either caruso or yates or Bernal. So he attacks and then Yates goes right afterwards which is really smart i mean you can't at this point he can't be waiting until like one to three K left and then chipping away 20 seconds. Uh, so if, if Bernal was going to crack, he was going to crack here when Yates attacks and Yates could have gotten a bunch of time. If Bernal doesn't crack, he is just going to sit on his Ineos team who paces him like they always pace everyone on that team. And he might win by 20 seconds, but he has to take the risk. And that's kind of what happened. Despite Bernal looking to be in trouble, uh, Ineos just paces so well. It's really impressive to watch. They'd like If you remember the offseason, Dave Brailsford was saying, like, we're going to be an exciting team. We're racing for fun now. 
Uh, no, that was uh, just, I don't, I don't know what, if he was like in a room full of helium and uh, was just feeling good or, or what happened. But yeah, that's that's definitely not what is going on here. They're racing exactly like they've always raced in a super defensive position, which makes a lot of sense. They worked really hard to get the advantage. Bernal has like close to three minutes on Simon Yates, so he can afford to kind of give him a little bit of slack and just, you know, ride the same. If you ride your own pace... As Damiano Caruso is proving, you'll get to the top just as fast as everybody else. You know, it's like you can't cheat the math. Like, okay, you can jump with someone, but you're not going to go up any faster than if you just rode an even pace as hard as you could go. So uh, that that's why actually I thought Bernal, I thought this was smart today. I, I didn't quite understand on stage 17 when the gaps were bigger, why he was even jumping with, with Simon Yates. Like, why not just stay with your team and have them pace you? So... Uh, I, f- I feel like for the first time, he and Ineos are racing, you know, how they should be and like how they've raced for years and years. So uh, that that's interesting. One other thing to note is, so Joao Almeida is absolutely flying right now. I'd say he's the strongest rider in the race. Well, it's maybe Simon Yates. So maybe he's the second strongest rider in the race right now. But he gets into the final kilometers of these summit finishes and the dude is jamming. So he is 20 seconds behind. Simon Yates, when they go in under the 1K banner to go, and he's with Egan Bernal, he inside this 1K to go banner, he drops Bernal, puts 17 seconds into him, and then finishes 11 seconds behind Yates. So he is absolutely flying on that finish. And if you remember on stage 17, he drops Yates with his like late kilometer surge, almost like a pursuiter's effort. Uh, So Yates knew that he had to get a big buffer on him. So that when he does the surge, he's catching up to him and he's using that buffer to stay away versus just getting dropped as he did on stage 17. So uh, really savvy by Yates to attack earlier to get that buffer. The gaps, it it was kind of an exciting stage. It looked like Bernal might be in trouble. But if we look at the gaps, he's still leading Caruso by two and a half minutes and Yates by almost three minutes. Uh, Vlasov is like four minutes behind Yates and then Carthy's five minutes behind Yates. So... I think our top three is set. Uh, I think Joao Almeida could jump over those guys. I think he'll get fourth overall because he's around like nine minutes back, but he's got a really strong time trial and he's going to take more time on Vlasov and Karthi tomorrow. So I think Almeida is going to get fourth again this year and he's going to get fourth by about the amount of time he lost on stage four. So uh, early summit finishes are important. If you remember, he fell apart, lost four minutes on stage four and the cold summit finish. Uh, that's probably where he lost this race. So it's kind of interesting to go back and take a look at. One other thing I noticed on the day is Egan Bernal stands up a lot to climb normally. He's not like a normal Ineos rider who just sits down and rides like a track rider. Um, like most of those riders in that team, he likes to stand up, move around, grind a little bit. Uh, he was in the saddle the whole time. He stood up for like two seconds when uh, Danny Martinez pulled off and he tried to attack. Uh, and then he sat right back down and didn't stand back up, even when he was getting dropped. And he was riding a big gear. Like he, he normally rides a pretty big gear, but he looked, I'd say, overgeared here. And this is coming from someone who's constantly overgeared. I, I know overgeared. Don't tell me about overgeared. Uh, I think this could be a, a back issue. Um, we talked to Marco about it later in the episode, but Marco had a similar problem where he didn't have like the strength in his back, you know, just riding on a bike is a weird. Uh, position for your body to be in you can get imbalances in your in your core strength and your your spine actually starts to move out of position which i think is what happened to egan bernal um if you kind of like parse through the statements from the aussies and that's kind of what it sounds like uh, and so 
uh, Marco said it didn't really hurt his riding. It just hurt his recovery. Um, and that's kind of, Bernal just didn't quite look right. He didn't look confident in his back to stand up and like really torque the bike. Um, especially when he's getting dropped by Joao in the final, you know, 400 meters, he was like creeping. Um, he just stayed in the saddle, really wasn't going that hard. I mean, relative, but he, he lost a, a, quite a bit of time. He lost 17 seconds, basically in half a kilometer. So I think something could be going on there with the back and that's going to be relevant tomorrow. Um, oh, and the one final note from the stage, I did get a hold of some watt information. Joao averaged 6.7 watts per kilo in the final 1.5 uh, kilometers, which is really, I mean, that's, that's that pursuiter strength I was talking about. That's why no one can hold his wheel in the final kilometers of these climbs. I mean, that's, that's really fast. Uh, Egan Bernal, though, 350 watts, 5.8 watts per kilogram. That's, that's, nah, it's like somewhat pedestrian. I know that's crazy. Like if we all went out and tried to do 350 watts at the end of a climb, it would be very hard for us. And none of us are probably as skinny as Egan Bernal. So it's objectively good, but compared to, you know, the people he's racing against, that's actually not that good. Um, if he rides 5.8 watts per kilo tomorrow, he's going to get dropped. You know, he could lose the race with, with, with those, with those numbers. So that's definitely something to flag. Um, if Simon Yates and Joao are riding that much stronger than he is, uh, that could be an issue. And, and that I, I, you could say that he just let them go uh, because they're both so far back on him that he just thought, well, I'll just conserve energy here. But Damiano Caruso is flying up behind him, and he should be concerned. You know, he should still be trying to put time into Caruso because Caruso could still beat him. Um, he he's got a great time trial. He could put a minute into him in the time trial. And if he has a problem tomorrow, you know, Caruso takes a minute and a half from him. Caruso could win the race. So um, he, he should have been going hard there to drop Caruso, if, if, if nothing else. So I don't totally buy that he just let them go. I, I think there's something going on there. And we'll certainly find out on tomorrow's stage, which is absolutely brutal. Um, totally brutal. Three, it's, it's like 164K long with three. Basically, I don't think they use HC category at the Giro, but if this was the Tour de France, it'd be HC climbs, like the hardest climbs you can possibly go up. They're all packed in the last half of the stage. So it's basically like 80 kilometers with three massive mountain passes, all at altitude, two of them in Switzerland. So you know, it's going to be cold, a minimum sunny and cold, probably a little bit of rain. So that's going to be really hard. Uh, finishes on a, not a super steep, but a longish climb at the end, which I think will have more bite to it because the race is, this whole stage is going to be raced so hard. Uh, one other note is with this, it, this could come down. So if Bernal struggles tomorrow and Crusoe doesn't, um, or if Yates has some big surge and takes minutes back from Bernal, the, the seconds lost from uh, Bernal taking off his jacket at the end of stage 16 could come into play. He probably lost like five seconds doing that. I wonder if he'll come to regret that, especially considering Caruso was surging behind and only finished 26 seconds back. That was a chance for Bernal to put a lot of, you know, a, a good amount of time into Crusoe. Remember, he, he went over the final climb about a minute ahead of him and then lost about half a minute to him on the final climb. So something to keep an eye on. And something I talk about with Marco is if you remember, Bernal was sprinting for time, mid-stage time bonuses on stage 10. Um, Marco definitely thinks he's, he regrets that now because those are big efforts. And he's clearly just not as strong as he was in that first week. And he probably gained, I think he gained about one to three seconds with that time bonus sprint. But then he just shipped it all back by taking the jacket off. So it's like, well, why invest that time if you're just going to give it back? 
Um, that's not a totally congruent logic. I think what happened is he thought on stage 16 that he had buried everybody. I think he wasn't really thinking about Crusoe. He thought, I dropped Yates. Yates is gone. Carthy's gone. Vlasov's gone. I got this thing in the bag. That's what I think what happened. And, and I think these final two days are going to be really, really, really interesting. We have really difficult mountain stage tomorrow that we just talked about. And then we have a 30 kilometer uh, flat TT in Milan to finish it off on Sunday. It's fantastic. We get a TT on the final day. It makes the, T, uh, the GC stakes go all the way to the finish. I hate, I hate the procession at the end of Grand Tours like the Tour of the Volta. I think it's so silly. Why not make the last day matter? So yeah, we get, it's like almost like a little bonus GC day on Sunday and it will color the, the day tomorrow because we won't really know. People will just want to take as much time as they can because they don't really know what's going to happen in that final time trial. So it uh, would be wild if we see a lead change. That would be the third consecutive Grand Tour. No, it would be the third Grand Tour in less than 12 months to be decided in the final time trial. So that would be really, really exciting. Well, let's get over to Marco Panati so he can talk to us about the time trial on Sunday. Um, just a reminder, he is the time trial coach at Team Bike Exchange. So um, he will definitely be coaching him through how to ride this time trial. He is probably one of the smartest people when it comes to time trials in the world. So luck lucky to get a hold of him. Has won multiple time trials at the Giro d'Italia. So he definitely knows what he's talking about. Let's get over to him now. Ciao, ciao Marco. Th thanks for joining today. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. So um, we just, just wrapped up stage 19 and your um, bike exchange team leader, Simon Yates, had a, had a great day on the climb. I'm sure, you, did you watch that? I'm, I'm sure you saw it. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Finally, we, we won a stage. When, and when we talked um, after stage nine, you kind of uh, emphasized that the Giro like, hadn't begun yet, that there was still a lot to race. Um, and that's definitely proven to be true. I don't think Simon was, you know, he was kind of invisible for that first week and a half, but now that's proving to be, you know, I don't know if that was a pre-planned strategy or what, but he is looking incredibly strong in this third week while, you know, Remco is out of the race and then Bernal looks, you know, a little bit off his best. Do you, can you, is that something that you guys talked about before the race or is that just kind of how, you know, how it played out knowing that this third week was so hard? It's just kind of like a natural progression. No, Definitely. When we saw the course of the Giro, we understand that from the second week, and especially the third week, is the where the the majority of the time gap were going to be to be made because of just the you know the way of the the the, the finishes and the way of the the the, the mountain the climbing meter of the stage. So the approach of Simon was uh, not to to spend an extra pedal stroke in the first uh, ten days. And it's not that he did lose time on purpose in, the, in those up in those finishes, you know. But I think uh, in his case, uh, he was kind of hiding himself because he was not. Uh, I think he suffered a little bit the days. Every time he lost time, it was uh, both wet and cold. So uh, he had uh, definitely, you know, he was not performing as uh, as good as when he when we saw. At least it was dry, and then when it was sun. So every other day, he stayed either with the leader, or he just lost a few times on zone uh, on zone Cologne, or he dropped them. Yeah. So uh, I mean, the way the way you win a, a Grand Tour is to be the most consistent in a, in all the three weeks, but you need to be the strongest in the key stages. And this year, the key stages were all in the final uh, eight days. 
Yeah, it, it's really kind of almost shockingly backloaded. It's funny because we're, I guess, before today, we were three stages before the finish, but it feels like re- it feels incredibly far away. I mean, tomorrow is a really difficult stage. You know, I guess anything could happen on that. And then it's a pretty long time trial. It's like 30 kilometers long that, you know, you could see some major time gaps. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I, I, to be honest, I, I was not expecting the time trial to be, you know, a key stage. But the fact that uh, they took out the part of the hardest stage. So the hardest stage now is tomorrow, basically, if you take away, you know, because Cortina stage was very hard, but definitely it was mostly about the final climb on Jao, not too long in altitude, but tomorrow is is going to be the, the hardest stage. And uh, at, at, at the race Cortina stage in, in, in his wall uh, as planned, it would have been a, a big, bigger gaps. But, but right now, before, before knowing what will happen in gaps for, uh, for the final stage, you know, you're right, there's a, there's a, there is a long, relatively long time trial, 30 kilometers. And uh, whether it will be a key stage or not, it will depend how big were with the gaps between the you know the, the, the top GC rider will be, and I expect uh, uh, if the gaps are uh, within uh, let's say 30 35 seconds between the the riders, then you could you could expect some changes in uh, in GC in the last day. And just as like as a I guess two part question: Do you like final day time trials as a fan, and then all I guess three parts as a writer, and then as a coach? You know, do you do you like them, or do you yeah. think they're? Would you rather not have them? As a fan, as a fan, uh, I'm a, I'm a biased <laughs> fan. You know, I'm a fan who like who likes time trials. So I take ten times out of ten a uh, 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 <laughs> a time trial rather than a, than a sprint stage. No, then it, you know, sprint, then a normal stage because, and most of the time it's a parade, no? It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a party and, and then you have a, a, the final sprint. So the outcome is, a, is, is expected. While in the time trial, I mean, there's still, a, you still got, a, it's not, a, it's not that the final, if a sprint is not a race, but I, uh, a final time trial give a, give a different meaning and, uh, it's maybe sometimes it's rewarding for the riders who, who has work behind the scenes in the Giro. Because sometimes, as you, you know, like uh, Chad Aga won a stage, I remember, in Verona a couple of years ago. And uh, it's a possibility for somebody who's working in the Giro but never had, a, because it's not a pure sprinter or it's not a climber, maybe the, to, to get some nice result for himself. And as a coach, I like the, uh, you know, because I, I, regardless of, of uh, the more time tire you have, the more, uh, for me, the more, uh, it's the race of the truth. So the more you have an idea of the level of the rider for, I can see, you know, I, I love them. And so regardless of the position in the, in the race, I like them. So in the final one, it's even better because it gives you an idea. You can compare with the first one. It gives you an idea how, how good they are or how bad a rider becomes in three weeks. And uh, as a rider, I love them 100%. But I think uh, depend half of the rider would like a, a sprint stage just to make it a little bit easier. 
but but put it this way if you if you want and you take it easy you can take it easy you know you go easy for 30 kilometers you don't lose more than yeah. two three minutes so there's no risk of, of going out you can still enjoy the last day as the last day you can actually make it like a, a, a recovery ride almost and uh, and it takes away the risk of the there is always a fact a risk in the final kilometer of a sprint stage so as a rider i was more more than any anybody happy to be the time trial yeah I, I agree i think they're so great i think it's kind of a shame that the tour has gone away from that because yeah. it it kind of colors these mountain stages so differently than if we were just going into if the race would probably be over if we were just going into milan for a parade stage as you would say but you know because if simon takes let's say he takes a minute tomorrow you, you know and bernal's not feeling yeah, good he yeah. could he could really you could fall apart on that 30 kilometer time trial I especially, yeah, especially in the Giro, we have seen in 2017, I believe, Dumoulin, you know, overtaking uh, Quintana in the final time trial from Monza to Milan last yeah. year. I mean, you, you couldn't have uh, uh, you know, two riders starting at the same time, and you know, I could, I, you know without the time trial, we didn't even want. No, no, you, you, what do you think? You gave a Giro to somebody just for a hundreds of seconds. So it's uh, and uh, I, I like that much. I like that more than uh, than a sprint stage. And uh, I won two of them in the final in the Giro, and I was second in one just by two seconds. So I always, I, especially the last one, you know, it's the last effort that uh, it's it's it's. Uh, I like them. I like. And do you, can you talk me through? So you're. I assume you're in northern Italy right now. Is that where you live? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not far from the time trial. Maybe an hour drive. Yeah. So will you go on Saturday night or Sunday morning and then kind of scout the the route for the Yeah, riders? I will try to go. I will try to go tomorrow afternoon, the same time of the of the you know, for around three o'clock, the same time the race will take place. Just to have an idea also the wind condition, even if I know the area. So the there's high pressure, so the weather is stable, I expect. And then it's uh it's it starts outside Milan, but it's still, uh, uh, you know, even if you, you, you want to have strong wind, but you will, uh, and most of the time the race will be covered by buildings because it's not, you don't have, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, there have a lot of buildings, the surrounding of Milano. So it's, uh, and it's, it's a typical like stage starting in north of Milan, so going down, it will be fast, slightly, slightly descending, you know, big, uh, uh, big streets, uh, sometimes roundabout, sometimes uh, railway crossing. I don't know, but I, that's what I expect uh, from uh, the so many editions that they did. This, always different courses, but the same pattern. And so I will do the race. And uh, Sunday morning, I don't know. I have to, to see when the race will be closed, if the race will be closed, because I just looking before from the finish to start. It's uh, 17 kilometers, the shortest way, but it takes 40 minutes because it's a town. So probably we can do the, uh, a sort of recon with, uh, with the Simon because it will be start late, start late in maybe around five o'clock, around four, four o'clock. So for him, uh, there will be time to go to see the course and then drive back. I, I always do this thing where I try to take historical time trial performances and extrapolate them out to see what the difference is between the, the contenders are going to be. And it almost never works for the guys going for first and second position. Like last year, Pogachar at the tour, 
if you would have compared him and Roglic's time trials, you would have said, well, maybe there'll be a 10 second difference between them. And then there was this massive difference. Um, do you think there, is there really something that happens when you're racing for the overall win that you kind of have to throw out all past performances from, uh, obviously like Simon Yates probably isn't going to beat Philippe Ogana, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are, are people really like, <laughs> you know, can they access performances they wouldn't normally access if they're racing for that overall win? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, and most important is uh, uh, the fact that you not all the riders have the same motivation, but not because they don't they don't want to go, because they are very tired. So for them, it's difficult to to access completely to their resources, whatever they have left in their body. And uh, for somebody else, they are growing from. So I expect, uh, for example, I don't know about Ghana, but you know, it's it's been showing good form, working for the team. I expect Bittiol being very good, okay? And uh, I, it's, it's true that, you know, based on, on the climbing uh, on this day, you can you already have an outcome. Now, the climb, there's a weight factor, so you need to take into account that. So in the case of Simon, is lighter. So uh, I think uh, Caruso will do a, a good time trial because it's, it's still there. And normally, it's a good one. I have him uh, as, a, as a rider, and so it's a good time trialer. And uh, yeah, last year was uh, with the Tour de France was was one of the surprise for everybody. Yeah, but it's uh, the Tour de France had another factor that it was uh, an hour long, and that doesn't happen often in cycling nowadays. So when you go, you know, people say, I mean, normally you would think, you know, you know, thirty-five minutes and an hour is the same, but uh that was an hour long and you have 50 minutes climb in the end of 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 uh of this hour so if you think about one minute gap it isn't that much in an hour you know it's like the tomorrow's uh, sunday stage yeah losing 35 seconds which i think 30 seconds will be the maximum gap that there will be between gc rider unless a rider is like really in had a very bad day. And every time I, you know, it's very important. It's very important how they recover from the day before because the day before is a hard stage. And then you have a, not a long transfer, but it's still a transfer to the, to the hotel. And it's, uh, you know, it's, I think I always found when I want two stages and there was second in the other one, I think that I want the race more importantly immediately after the, the, the day, the day before the way I approach it. And, uh, you know, just being at, uh, in the recovery mode as soon as possible. Because you finish the stage really uh, literally at 6, 7, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock the day before. And uh, less than 24 hours, you are, you're, you're on the start front. And so does having the race lead kind of penalize you quite a bit? Because I assume they have to do like multiple interviews and you're kind of stuck in the... Yeah, this is this is scrum for a while. This is uh, something that it's not uh, it's not underestimated because people are aware of that, but you don't talk too much about it. But uh, definitely, you know, being the leader early in the race, like Bernal has been doing, I think one of the reasons why he's not as strong as he is in the in the first week because it's clear he's not as strong as he is. It's also could be that you know every day he has to, to spend. Uh, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour uh, between press conference and doping control. And 
so that takes away a little bit. I mean, I think yeah, in being the team he is, I think the team is taking all the measure to to make sure he, he got already uh, everything he needs to recover and be the mind at peace already immediately after the season. But still, you know, you need the mental effort of having to deal with people asking you questions. I think they didn't. It's good one time, two times, three times, and you are excited. But every single day, being at the press conference, you know, it's uh, some. I don't think you know. You are, uh, sometimes a rider get a fine just to, you know, because if it's a long transfer to the hotel, you know, they get a excuse and they, the team decide to to keep to keep the fine and uh, but prioritize uh, the the travel back to the hotel. And that, so you mentioned that he clearly doesn't look as strong as he did in the first week and a half. Yeah. Do you think it was a mistake to race so aggressively? Or do you think now he has time because he raced so aggressively, so he has yeah. a cushion? <laughs> <laughs> That's a million-dollar question. But uh, no, I think he, he, was, he, was, uh, he needed to be aggressive, okay, because you need to take time. Uh, no, hit, uh, they say hit high. Hit, in Italian, we say battere ferro in tanto che caldo means you know, hit the hydro while it's hot. So, you know, take advantage yeah. when you can. So he had to do that. What I think he lost a little bit. No, he lost. He would have, I would have played a little bit more uh, easy. It was like the last time we talked, we saw uh, it was going for the bonus sprint for, at, at the bonification, yeah. 20K to go. And if you see the sprint again, you see how much effort they, they, they took to take one second or two seconds with Evenepoel. Evenepoel now is at home. <laughs> I mean, this is like a, a a rookie mistake, okay? And but he was he was put in that position by Evenepoel because Evenepoel was the one who who launched who, who was trying to go for the sprint. So he being the leader, you have the what was considered by back then the most direct competitor. Like trying to gain two seconds, what you do? You don't respond. I mean, you, you I would not have responded. But you need to have a cool head not to do that, you know. But if yeah. you think, you know, a, a mistake like that, or even, uh, I mean, I got it got a stage win, so I, I did it. It did it well. But for sure, racing like that, you spend energy, and you know, it's not, you know, it's not. But you don't, you don't, you don't. Um, but I think you have to do it because the the, the when you're in a big shape, you know. Regardless of what you do, you don't. Uh, it's not. It's not. You're not going to be there forever. Sooner or later, your form is going to drop. You know, yeah. it's physiological. So why you have it? You just take advantage. What I'm thinking is like you know, going for the sprint that was uh, unnecessary, and it turned out to be unnecessary. As I told you, one or two seconds. You know, it's losing. It's leading the race by two minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> that means nothing. I told you because, and it would have been even more with the at the at the race, the World Cortina stage. And if you grab that power file from like the minute or two before that sprint, it's probably equal to like his race winning sprint on stage nine on the, the yeah. gravel mountaintop. Yeah, finish. yeah, probably. So it's. Probably, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it's something maybe because this thing you can allow to do your these things in a six days, seven days, because you know, but but three weeks uh, so early in the race, I mean, you can do that, but 
maybe yeah. paid. You know, in the end, he's going to win. Maybe he's going to win the Giro, and if he loses the Giro, he's not going to lose the Giro because of that. But <laughs> I told you, for me, it was a crazy racing. Racing like there's no tomorrow. That that's what I thought. That's what I say. But there were still ten days of racing. <laughs> And what do you think was going on inside Dakona Quick Quick Step? Like, because do you think they really thought Remco could race like that and win the overall? Because they really sacrificed Joao yeah. by having him wait. It's a good question. I was thinking about it a lot because I think they, they were really racing for him. Even if they didn't say no, they were racing for him. Because otherwise, you don't stop Almeida in a yeah. Montalcino stage where he lost. I don't remember. I don't. I didn't do the math, but he lost for sure three, four minutes. But what being in that position is difficult to make it because Almeida lost, lose, start very well. So let's go back to Torino. For me, Almeida was the day GC rider. But I'm going to be there. I'm not say backup plan B, but you know to learn and see how far he can yeah. go. Blah blah blah. Okay. Because I said, somebody asked me, what do you think Recon will say? Either he wins the Giro or he doesn't go to Milan. Or doesn't, have, doesn't go. Because of a crash, because, it, because he's too young. That's it. Okay. And it <laughs> turned out, you know, the prediction was correct. He didn't, he just did He's not in Milan. He's not going to be in Milan. But then they do the first mountain, uh, mountain you know, was the first uphill finish. And Almeida loses four minutes and a half. I don't know what happened there. Maybe bad life because it was a bad day a bad weather day and that bad weather you know things can can uh, you know re- riders react in a different time in a different way so that kind of uh, put him out of not contention but out of uh, four minutes come on what do you do so yeah. It's, yeah, can you recover four minutes if you lose you know, next time you're going to lose another minute but from that point on, Almeida, I, I was, you know, he didn't lose. He was always with the favorite, and is now is is the best or the second best rider in the race. He won, you know, he would have won the stage. Uh, you know, then Martin was in the breakaway, so he was the strongest in the climb. Today, he was the second strongest in the climb, and you know, I think he will finish fourth. If I, to be honest, you know, he's now he's a six or seven in GC, but he can he can he can overtake the other two. With the time, to, it can it can be top three in the final time trial. It can take a minute on Bernal in the yeah. final time trial. And so, in the inside, of course, it's a, it was a mistake. But I think it, what they were going for Rempo. And there's another factor here that I don't know if if it's confirmed, but I read somewhere that he's probably leaving the team at the end of the season. So I think that might have played a role. Uh, inside the team, like uh, okay, you're supporting uh, now the future, and uh, and you know left they left Almeida a little bit like uh, uh, not it was not a priority, but that day calling calling him to wait for Remco, I think it was a uh, not an easy decision, but it turned out to be uh, uh, the wrong one inside. Okay? Yeah, because either you stop him immediately, because even there. When they stop him, I think had Remco a lot because initially I think he lost. His, you know, he had a very mentally was completely, you know, it was not in the moment anymore. Yeah, I think he, he turned off even the 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 it, in the the radio, uh, and so and but he loses he loses his temper for a bit, 
Then Almeida drops back, and they do too. They do a good. Uh, they come back. They pick up riders because they pick up also Kanga from us, and then they drop him. So I think they were riding well, and they they contain the the gaps by a lot. Okay, so they have to stop him immediately. So maybe they lose a little bit less, or don't stop him at all. Uh, but I don't know. They have to see. Maybe maybe if I was me, I'd say, how do you feel? If you feel good, stay stay in the front. Maybe it was already on the limit. I don't. I don't think so. But, but it's uh, it's easy to say after what is go, what is right and what is wrong. But you're right. I I think based on this decision, they were they were betting on uh, Remco for whatever reason because they still they really believe they could go to do to be very good in uh, at the end or whether they say ah oh, because it's leaving the team. I think because they believe in Remco more than. Because uh, you know, even if a rider is leaving a team, as long as it's with you, still under your paycheck, I think you want to to maximize uh, what you get from 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 uh, a rider you are paying now. Yeah, I've never understood that logic. It's like you're paying someone a lot of money, and then it's like, well, we're not going to bring him to race. It's like, well, you're only hurting yourself because you're shelling out the money to pay them. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes, I, I know one thing is not taking him to a race. And uh, you know, taking someone else who is signing for the team, because especially for a young rider, but when you take it to the race, you 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 get the best out of it. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't, you don't, let's say or the Vuelta or the Tour de France. Sometimes you want to develop a rider. Maybe you and and uh, you do you have you know uncertain. You do we take rider A or rider B? Uh, and based on this decision, also rider A is staying next year with the team as well. So. It's benefit us, him as a group, to bring in in a race. You know, you start learning. It's a, because every time you go to a Grand Tour, you learn something. You know, you the team about the rider, the rider about himself. The and it's an experience, and and it's a you're lucky to do the race like that. So if somebody's leaving the team, it's a you know you want to give this benefit of racing to somebody. You know, you want he commits for the team. Unless if you have an alternative, if you don't take, you take your rider with the team, okay, but then you say, okay, we still try to win with him or you still try to 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 pay to the best you see with, with, with this rider. The weirdest part of the Remco decision is I, I, I feel like the team like temporarily lost their minds where he's been racing bikes for four years and he's not a good descender and he can't really ride on gravel and they knew the route of the race. And then I feel like they were like almost comparing him to like Tom Pickcock or Tade Pogachar, but those guys were like born on bicycles. I feel like it's not a one for one comparison, and they should have seen that he would struggle in this third week because of the technical difficulty. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't know. They know they know him. They've been spending time with him. And months ago, when they told me, "No, he's going to start in the Giro." And the rumor was, oh, it's very good, he's in very good shape. Maybe he's going to win the Giro. I said, if he's going to win the Giro, I thought it's Eddie Max, but not bigger than Eddie Max. And he's going to, but then we need to rewrite all the books about training and about <laughs> yeah. cycling. <laughs> but that didn't happen. Uh, I mean, I don't know why they made this. Coming back from an injury, it's. You, do, you choose a, a lower level race with less difficulties, you're able to get, I don't know, maybe they discuss with the rider. Uh, it's, 
yeah, as I said, it's easy to say now, but already back then it seems uh, an hazard already to 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 pick a rider and put him in a grand tour uh, immediately after nine months of no racing, coming back from big injury, big injury. A young, such a young rider, I don't know. You need to to not to preserve, but to, to somehow to protect him. And uh, yeah, but, but but I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, they have they. It's a long term project for them, and maybe it is just part of of this development. I I might be missing someone. I don't think that team's ever won a Grand Tour. Uh, I could be wrong. Probably you're right. Uh, you mean? Uh, I mean, if you. If you consider this team as a Mapei, maybe Mapei they never won a Grand Tour either. I don't think. Yeah, but for sure, it's possible they they don't. There's not quite the institutional understanding of like what exactly it takes to win a Grand Tour inside the team. If I had to guess, maybe I would I would pick that. Yeah, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. I think. Uh, you're not far from uh, yeah because there's a uh, there is a you know a certain pattern you know with that a lot of teams that seems to have whatever sport director or you know them team environment bid for grand tour which means a lot of a lot of things and sometimes they are very different from teams that we one day racing because one day racing you need to be aggressive in the race of the race, always, you know, like while Grand Tour, never lose your temper, never because may, in three weeks something had, bad is going to happen, but always look forward, don't uh, don't lose too much of mind, what if, what happened, blah, 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 and I think uh, I've seen that in this team, you know, uh, Matthew White is a great sport director, he always stay positive, you know, we, we didn't have but he always I understand why you know this team is good in in, in Grand Tour because behind there is a, a group of people that, as you say, there is they have the good mindset. But you know, Quickstep has been winning every single. And I also know, uh, I give an example. Somebody, you know, uh, there was a sport director uh, called uh, the Hiron uh, Surgeon, the Sergente di Ferro, Giancarlo Ferretti, okay, from Fassaborto, Ariostea, and he never won. As a, he, he was, you know, one of the the the, man, the most important sport director from the Gimondi to when he when he finished with Fassa Bortolo. He never won a Grand Tour in his twenty five or more years as a career sport director. And the reason why he never won a Grand Tour, I was told, is because he was uh, uh, always too ag- aggressive, you know, in the radio, off the car aggressive in a, in a verbal way, you know? It was like uh, waking yeah. up at breakfast, going to the rider and say, oh, uh, what are you doing? What we do today? How are we gonna, are we gonna win this race? How are we gonna play? So stressing the rider, stressing you know, in a good way, I charge loading them up from breakfast, on the bus, in the car, in the radio. It was like, so constantly, you know, uh, you, know uh, you need to be ready to start. So, it was a lot of stress. Also, you know, the 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 way he was talking, that you cannot behave like that for three weeks and expect like that, you know, somehow they 
So it was really good. He won a lot of classy. He, he, he made a lot of riders successful, even, you know, he won with many different riders. A little bit like Quickstep now. But on the other side, I have the sport director like Pietro Algeri. You know, he won the Giro with Tonkov, with Simone. You know, and he was always calm, you know, never, never yelling in the radio, never whatever happens, always looking the, the positive side, you know. And there's just some, you because it's a free, two different uh, way of leading. One is probably better for one day racing because you need to be aggressive. Don't lose the move. Don't lose the breakaway. Always be there, front of the race. You know, uh, start on the front foot. The other one, you know, the defense is the best way to attack. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you could kind of imagine that, like the high frequency, just like how how that would work for one day is just like in your ear, like how are we going to do this? Be up front, be aggressive, yeah. and then you're just not sustainable for three weeks. Yeah, or, or, or yeah, or more difficult to sustain. Yeah, yeah. And before I let you go. Do you can you talk about Damiano Caruso at all? I, I'm embarrassed to admit I know almost nothing about this guy. Oh, I, I know him, and yeah. he looks incredible. Yeah, I know very well because I've been uh, working with him uh, probably five or six years in BMC, and uh, I think uh, you know he always. I did a couple of times uh, top ten in the Giro with us, maybe eight or, and then it was uh, the last man where we had Richie Porte in the Tour de France. So and one time, I think both of times. Uh, Port was out. He finished uh, 11, and uh, so just out of top 10 for the Tour de France when he started as a as a domestic. So he had physical. It, it doesn't have. It's you know you. It's it's exactly like the way he's been racing in the in the Giro, and it's been it's the way that Simon Yates has been racing for the first 10 days. So you never see him in the race. No, you see him, but you never you never. You never yeah. take an extra pedal stroke. Never. Never, never in the in smart, you know, he never responds to attack. Today was the only first time he responded to Yates because it was directly, but normally he always and then he catches up. So it's not I think this year he's climbing, I I would say a little bit better than he's been doing because I think it's a bit of maybe one one kilo, one kilo and a half leaner than it used to be. It's not a super super skinny guy, no, it's a healthy rider. And when when yeah. when it was in with BMC, I remember with our statistics, uh, we were doing uh, collecting uh, days where rider was sick. Not only missing race days, but also on a, on a year long, how many rider, how many times a, a rider lost a training day because of sickness, apart from travel. And I remember him and Demarki were the two most consistent. Not one day of of, of sick in in a year. So it's it's taken care by you know it's very you know. People from Sicily, very family-oriented riders. So you know, is you know when you switch off, and uh, you know it's said very well. It's not, you know, we say I'm not a champion. He's a very good rider. I mean, you could champion maybe. It's not being. It's not a winner. That's his thing. It's not a winner. I think he won one race or something. He won Finland trial. Yeah, I saw that. Maybe he won only one race or something like this. But I think it's one race in addition to a team time. Yeah, I think he won a race. Uh, uh, two years ago in Bahrain, in Spain, something like this before the Vuelta or something like uh, uh, stage uh, Amore Bieta or something. But yeah, it's a very consistent rider. I think the podium, we will finish on the podium, second or third. It's a reward for his career, yeah. But it's very, very valuable rider. When, when we, uh, we merged from, uh, from BMC to, to CCC, 
he was leaving the team, going to Bahrain Merida. And uh, he was a rider that, you know, we we were looking for to, to get him back, but he already signed the team. But it was a rider, I think he could have been the leader for us. And and probably, probably I think, is one of the riders when, if he starts as a leader, he's not, uh, he likes to start as a second one, you know. Then the leader is a problem, in the case Landa. And then, you know, he finds his way up to the high ranking, yeah. He's won second one in, uh, in two, yeah, two the Swiss. He's a good rider, definitely. Consistent, consistent, consistent. You know, yeah. Really, really underrated time trialist. No, I know, no, no. It's 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 it's, it's, uh, it's quite good in time trial. Yeah, especially that's why I, I'm thinking if you know uh, because he is far from Bernal, but he can take I think thirty second on on both Bernal and Gates on the last time trial. Up to thirty second. Yeah. yeah it, Obviously, like yeah, podium for him would be the biggest result of his career by a long shot. Yeah. But if let's say Bernal is a bad day tomorrow, I mean, he could win the Giro. It's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably. But you need you need in a bad day because today showed that it's not in big shape, but it's not uh, having a, a drop. So, but yeah, tomorrow you know there's another day, but you you Italy would need to attack from afar. But he has a strong team to defend himself. Show today, you know. The other day he responded to attack. Then he went, uh, you know, he came back with the help of Martinez and also Caruso himself, you know, in a in a in the in the wave of of uh, of normal, you know, on uh, he was defending himself. So he he kind of find help from from the others. Today he, he didn't respond. He stayed there, two teammates, and then you know when he attacked again, he, he kept there. Today was he showed that. Was just a, maybe a rest day bad uh, reaction from the rest day. It's not. It's not that he's peak, but it's, it's still in good good shape. And do you put uh, the back issue thing has always been a little vague to me. I'm not quite sure that his back is cited five thousand times a day, but I've never quite understood like what the specific issue is, and then if it's something that could really. F- that it could just suddenly flare up in the third week. Do you think that that's like a real, like a real possibility, or do you think that's kind of a smokescreen? I don't know. I don't have any more. I don't have. You're right. There's no. I mean, back pain. It's a. It's a. Uh, you know, it's a very common thing among normal people, but it's just too general yeah. to say back pain. Where this time, I mean, I had back pain when I when I was racing to one year, very bad back pain. But on the bike, nothing. I I was feeling nothing. I was having back pain walking, or back pain lying in my bed, something like this. So and but there was a cause. Okay, I have the bulging this, whatever. I didn't have the weak muscle. I think he's he's been having some issue because last year it was it was not what he was, and I think he did a lot. Whether this is fixed or not, maybe. Maybe you could say it's, it's. I don't know. I don't think uh, it, it could have back pain or issue, physical issue, like everybody, you know, an elite athlete might have. But uh, definitely, it's not affecting him. Uh, it's back for me in the Giro. It was back at the level he was when he won the Tour de France two years ago. That's what the number yeah. shows. So whether the back pain was a smoke, I don't and- think it's a smoke screen. But uh, whether, how serious is now the issue, I don't know. The, we don't have enough information. And you mentioned the m- muscular issue. That's 
was that kind of the, is that how you fixed your back pain as you kind of worked on the muscles in your back or did it go away another way? Yeah, no, because, yeah, because, uh, when you spend so many hours on the bike and you try to be in as lean as possible and, uh, it's not a natural position for the human body. So you need to keep working, you know, out of the bike, keeping the body strong and in balance in, and, uh, but when you maybe train a lot, you're tired or the rest of the day. So this is something, at least in my case, I can comment on that because I had experienced them. At some point, you start experiencing back pain. And so, ah, and then I realized, I look back, or maybe I realized I had, uh, I was not on top of my core training and, you know, physical off-the-bike training. And so I needed to go back at that. But uh, it took a while because initially you feel pain doing the same exercises. Yeah, they're gonna help you. So there is a point where you you say, "Ah, I'm gonna, you know, I need to reduce the pain first and rest. You know, maybe don't take some med." But there, my pain was a nerve pain. So because the muscles are not so stable anymore, or not not able to to hold your spine so stable, so. Um, you, you feel a kind of nerve thing, you know, something is pinching the nerve or is moving. And it's a very, not a, not a very high pain, but it's always there. And, uh, and then it was, uh, it's difficult also to, to mask with, with, with a painkiller. It, it doesn't go away. So it just takes time and you start walking slowly, movement slowly. Then maybe it take, for my case, it took months. But uh, uh, when you're you able to do the exercises without pain-free, then blah, 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 it's a, a cumulative effect, and then you start feeling stronger again. And did this make you any slower <laughs> on the bike, or were you you were fine once you were on the bike? No, the, 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 the thing that affected me was recovery, because on the bike, you know, the position I had, I didn't feel any pain. Actually, it was very comfortable. So I was spending more time on the bike, which has made you know, the whole problem a bit worse. But uh because the position but the problem was that you know sometimes you move in the bed during the night and you feel a little bit so maybe it will sometimes wake you up in the worst case and then uh or you don't rest so well when you are lying in bed so it affects the recovery yeah because uh you know when you have pain uh, you're moving unconsciously in the bed and then maybe you wake up or you don't uh, you know, interrupt your your deep sleep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it, it indirectly affect the performance on the bike. Indirectly, yeah. But when I was resting well on the bike, it was no problem. Um, and before I let you go, do you have a prediction for how the final two days are going to play out? Uh, yeah, I think the victory between uh, Etiol and Ghana for the day, and. For the for the overall, yeah. you know, I'm uh, as an Italia, I would not do any any prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't talk. For <laughs> That's like the worst way to look uh, silly is to make a zero prediction. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think you know Bernal is, uh, he, you know, is the big favorite. It's still uh, one day to in the mountain but unless he has a big uh, he has a crisis he should win the giro okay it would be interesting to see between caruso and yates uh, for the for the second spot and don't uh, underestimate almeida tomorrow 
and then uh, for sure it's going to do a, a strong time trial too. Maybe it could also uh, uh, fight for the win, for the stage win with um, Ghana and Betiol. Yeah, that's an, in- that's an interesting pick. I-, I could see him fighting for that stage win too. I mean, he looks so strong right now. Yeah, he's, yeah, they told you it's the stronger, if not the second, there's the second stronger, if not the strongest rider in the race. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it, you, you can't go back and say like, oh, it would be different if this happened because then, you know, he's not in the break on stage 16, but it is a shame that he lost yeah. that time on stage four. That would have been a pretty interesting battle had he, had he stayed in that group. Yeah, also because in stage, uh, when you say stage Cortina was in the break. And I think that was a finish high in, in the, but I didn't not be in the break, but being uh, in the peloton, maybe it was a finish to finish uh, even higher. Yeah. Because, because uh, you know, he spent that some energy in the break uh, before. It was not a 10 rider break. It was, I think, six or seven. Strong rider. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for, for donating your time. It was great to talk to you again. Yeah. And, uh, I'll be I'll be watching for you on TV on Sunday during yeah. the time trial. Okay. See if we can spot you in Milan. Thanks you. And uh, hello to your listeners. <laughs> All the listeners. Ciao. All right. Well, that was Marco Panati. Um, we were lucky to have him. And tune in tomorrow for the great, great final mountain stage. And then Sunday for the final TT. It's going to be a great end of this Giro d'Italia. And thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.